Welcome to Peacappy Podcast, a very quick turnaround. Last episode actually managed to, like, delete itself midway through editing. And, like, thankfully I got it all back, because I would have cried if I had to re-record it. Well, that, that does seem to be a pattern on this show, but it was a bit of a hassle, so sorry about that. But we're back, and today is the gym battle, I'm so excited. We're finally going to challenge the Restboro Gym, our first gym in Hoenn. Officially, remember, Norman did not count. No badges involved. And for those of you who do not know, I love gym battles. Like, fiery passion love. And if you're newer to the podcast, you may not have gotten to do this, but one of the traditions on gym battle episodes is to give a rundown of Ash's lineup and see what his chances are against a gym leader on paper. And considering things like game stats and stuff. Obviously, the anime is a little bit different. It kind of operates um, under slightly different rules than the games. But it's interesting to just kind of look at Ash's team and what the gym leader hypothetically has and, and apply some conventional wisdom. Before we do that, a word from our sponsor. Steven from Poke Press has a lovely YouTube channel. Um, where right now he's got some interviews up with the Junior and Masters TCG winners at the North American International Competitions. So card gamers, that might be of interest to you, or aspiring card gamers who are interested in what the pros are doing or want to get a feel for what it's like to compete at these major events. Check out Poke Press on YouTube. They've got not only these current winners, but... You know, in their back catalog, they've got a lot of other winners over the years and competitors and pre-release events, interviews with people, you know, and the cards that they liked, the cards that have helped them win over the years. And that's interesting, just knowing what's going on in the world of the cards, because, you know, things change from year to year as the as the types change, certainly, with every new region. The monsters that are popular, I guess, that, that you know, make for good teams and the oddball monsters that, you know, maybe wouldn't conventionally, you know, be put on a strong team, but turn out to like save the day. There's a lot of interesting stuff to be learned and to experience for those of us who were never meant for competitive gameplay and so experience these events vicariously through others. PokePress also has interviews with a variety of other people on a variety of topics. Actors and directors, musicians, cosplayers, whatever your journey through the world of Pokemon, they've got a video highlighting your specific corner of the fandom. So head on over to YouTube, PokePress, and check them out. You will surely find something just for you. But as we're talking about 
teams and building a good team and, you know, competitive battling. Today's episode, Advanced Generation number 16, Winner by a Nose Pass, is about the anime's version of competitive battling. And Ash has got some decisions to make for, for building a team. So let's take a look at his lineup and Roxanne's and see how it works out on paper. And first of all, on paper, I think we can all agree Ash is going into this at a disadvantage. His only Pokemon with anything approaching gym experience is Pikachu. And, and Trico, yeah, Trico's tough. But it's still kind of young and new. Same with Talo. Both of them are still learning how to work with a human trainer, let alone how to handle themselves on a competitive field, so it's going to be a rough day for them. And it feels like they've been with us longer because we've taken so many breaks to cover Pokemon Chronicles episodes and such, but Ash has actually not had Taylo or especially Trico for very long at all. Even without considering Roxanne's gym type, just in you know, life experience alone, Ash is coming in with a handicap. Pikachu will make up for a lot, but still. And people make the joke about, like, Pikachu's level must be so high, like, how is Ash struggling against these gyms? Putting aside my usual argument of, you know, how the anime tends to follow real-life progressions of skill, not game mechanic progressions of skill, um... Like, there's just the fact that Roxanne has been doing this for at least as long as Ash, if not more. So, it, like, wherever Pikachu is, however you classify his level, however strong you think he is, Roxanne's Pokemon are at least equal to that. At least. And while Ash is capable of beating a gym leader in a particular scenario... Gym leaders typically have to go through a fair amount in order to get established as the gym in an official Pokemon accredited league. And we've seen the PIA recently has become quite strict in certain regions. Um, so like they're, they're routinely tested to see if they are still capable of doing their job and providing challenges to the trainer and, you know, providing the service they need to provide for the Pokemon community. So a gym leader who has theoretically done all of that stuff and looks to be somewhat older than Ash, she is going to have Pokemon that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Pikachu easily. The real question will come down to what type of gym leader she is, because a good gym leader isn't going to try to crush their competition. They're going to try to provide a challenger for the specific trainer that came to visit them and test their abilities as a Pokemon trainer. So the question is whether Roxanne is the type of gym leader to try to shut Ash down completely, or if she's the type to try to scale her abilities into something that will be difficult for Ash to overcome, but whether he wins or loses will help him to succeed. And given that Roxanne is a school teacher, the latter is most likely. But again, that's talking like the way Pokemon battles work in the anime and gym battles. On paper, just looking at abilities of their respective teams of Pokemon on hand, Ash is kind of the underdog. And that's just talking about experience. Roxanne trains rock types who not only have superb defense against physical attacks, but are also usually ground types and immune to electricity. So any advantage Ash has with Pikachu 
just being a veteran player and such an awesome competitive athlete is kind of neutralized. <laughs> because if electricity doesn't do hardly anything and quick attack is barely useful, that's it for the two of them. Excepting that Iron Tail they're starting to learn. The only type advantage Ash has comes with Trico, who as of yet has not learned any grass-type moves. Basically, Ash has three Pokémon, two of which are utter noobs, none of them with a reliable attack that can do meaningful damage. And that's made the past few episodes very telling about Ash as a trainer, because the second he heard about Roxanne's gym type, he put all his effort into teaching Pikachu Iron Tail. Not once did we see him training up Trico. And that's not to say nothing happened off-camera, but Ash's emphasis has been on Pikachu, not the grass type who will naturally learn those useful moves on its own. And I think that's what establishes Ash as an experienced trainer rather than a rookie, because the obvious beginner choice based only on game stats is, I'd better level up Trico. But Ash knows he's not going to get Trico to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a gym leader's Pokémon in a matter of days. Not when he's only had Trico for like two weeks. And surely Roxanne has learned how to deal with grass types in all her years of running the gym. So this isn't going to be her first rodeo, and Ash knows gym leaders get to be good by having countermeasures in their back pockets. So Trico could learn a grass move to face the Geodude they saw last episode, but Trico's not going to suddenly become the elite athlete that Geodude is overnight, nor will Ash have time to really work with Trico on the nuances of this hypothetical grass-type attack, like different ways to use it to their advantage. Ash and Trico are still hammering out the fundamentals of battling together, but Pikachu... Ash and Pikachu have so much training together... They're in perfect sync. Pikachu can hold his own against a gym leader's Pokemon. Pikachu can take the heavy damage from a rock. Pikachu has figured out how to use his electric attacks in a way to get the most possible damage out of them, even if that damage against a ground type doesn't equate to losing hit points. And they know how to train efficiently together. Like, give Ash three or four days training Pikachu, they can learn a new move and have it be halfway viable. Because it's going to be built on years and years of training their basics. So even if they only had, like, a couple days to start learning Iron Tail, that's fine. And even if Iron Tail doesn't work completely, it's still fine. Like, this might be a bad analogy, but if you give a kid a baseball bat that's snapped in half in their first week of Little League... They're going to be like, what do I do with this? Because they're still working on trying to see, like, the ball as it's coming to them, how to aim. They're probably still figuring out the rules of baseball. But if you give half a bat to a major leaguer, then they'll struggle. It's probably not going to work out well at all. But if you tell them, like, dude, this is all we got. You got to make it work. They'll be like, okay, I'll see what I can make work with this. Because they've hit a thousand balls in their life. They know what speed to expect, what the impact will feel like, where the ball needs to hit on the bat in order to make it go places. They know what happens with changes of grip and how fast to swing to get the results they want. They know how fast they need to run between bases. 
Like, the only thing they need to focus on is how this faulty equipment is going to alter what they already know. And they probably won't hit a home run with a broken bat. They probably won't do very well at all, but they might, after a day or two to practice, figure out how to get something halfway functional going. Maybe they can figure out how to bunt. Give their team a chance to steal a base or something. And that's where Ash and Pikachu are, like... Pikachu's electric attacks and his physical attacks are close to useless, but they've got enough experience that they can maybe make something work. And Iron Tail, they've not had a lot of time to train it, and it only works half the time anyway, but they can maybe make something work. Because that's the real benefit of experience, is not just in being able to do awesome things perfect all the time, but in being able to adapt when things aren't so awesome and perfect. And that's a skill that Trico and Taylo do not have. So it's interesting to see where Ash's priorities are right now, because obviously he wants to train up the Hoenn team over time. Like, that's why he came with only Pikachu and wanted to catch all new Pokemon. But he also knows where his attention needs to go in order for the team as a whole to be successful on the gym circuit and to be able to get to the Pokemon League in a timely manner. And to be able to give his Pokemon like Trico and Talo gym experience that will be useful to them. Um, that said, Roxanne doesn't just have her Geodude. According to our title, she also has a nose pass. Um, and in other media, she also has a Graveler and a Crawdilly, Aerodactyl, Amistar, Kabutops, Steelix. Gym leaders can have a whole building full of Pokemon on hand. And we know what she'll pick to battle Ash because we've seen the show. But again, on paper, she could come at Ash with anything. And all of those Pokemon will wreck Ash's current team of three. More than just her Pokemon, Roxanne as a person, she's a big old nerd who takes being a gym leader very seriously. Like, she's studied a lot about Pokemon and is going to want to do more than just win with brute strength. So she's going to have found ways to counter any attacks that are advantageous against her type. She's going to have thought out lots of strategies to get out of tough situations. Like, all gym leaders are experienced in this way, but Roxanne came up through the Pokemon Academy as an honors student there. Like, she's literally been preparing for these scenarios her entire life. So on paper, yeah, Ash has a lot of experience, but he's playing the majors with a broken baseball bat. That's not to say he can't win, because he's never had a love for the type advantage anyway. But Ash is definitely going to have an uphill battle today. And we will get to that battle right now. The episode opens with Ash and Pikachu training Iron Tail, and it's getting good. Pikachu is smashing boulders as big as Ash. But that attack has only got like a 50% success rate right now. Like Pikachu can't handle two in a row. And that's going to be a problem. Ash is planning to fight the battle anyway, but you can tell he's kind of troubled about this, which makes it all the more unfathomable to him when May says she's going to pass on the whole gym battle thing. He's like, I, I literally don't understand a thing you just said. I can't even depend on one useful attack out of my entire team of three and I'm still doing this. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you're going to quit? But May has finally made up her mind. She's going contest coordinator track, so why do a gym battle when she's not into it and it's not going to help her and Torchic move forward? Which makes sense, but 
not to her friends since this is the first time she's ever actually talked about her goals and dreams and her likes and dislikes. For Ashbrock and Max, this is coming completely out of left field. But I guess Mays found her conviction and confidence in this one area finally, and she confesses everything. She She's never really liked Pokemon. Being a trainer was just an excuse to travel. But she doesn't regret that, because going through the motions of being a trainer is what helped her learn to love Pokemon, and also find her dream of being a coordinator. Now she really loves Pokemon, and does have a career direction she's passionate about. And I was kind of critical of May in the beginning, because I sort of think it is a bit disingenuous to conscript some poor Pokemon into service when you don't actually want to do anything trainer-like with it. Like, I had the same problem with Serena. Pokemon have feelings and life goals, too. They're not objects to just kind of have for the sake of having them. Um, but what May's saying kind of reminds me of something my mom used to tell me, like, um, when I was in high school, like, a lot of kids took the idea of, I don't know what I really want to do in life, I don't know what I want to study in college, so I'm just gonna not go anywhere, I'm just gonna stay here and work while I figure it out. And she thought that was really ridiculous, because uh, if you don't know what you want to do now, continuing to work at the local gas station for a year isn't going to give you a new perspective, like, keeping your exact same situation isn't going to give you any new information. She thought it was better to go to college and get a new experience and knowledge and connections, even if you didn't really know what you wanted to do in order to get an idea of direction or, or if college seemed like a waste of money, like volunteer at a bunch of places or get a different job or try to apply as the manager and move up in the company, like at least move to a new city, do something to change your situation rather than stick with the status quo. And part of that was she was just really smart and educated, so she was always just, like, pro going to college and being a scholar. Um, but she saw a lot of kids my age kind of not challenging themselves and falling into some easy job, and then they just kind of wasted away. Like, they worked at a dead-end job, partied on the weekend, and, you know, never found what they really wanted to do because they never put themselves in a position to see anything new. And some of them did eventually, later in life, kind of get out of that situation and find a, a new thing they could be passionate about. But a lot of them didn't, and it was kind of sad. Kids who had a lot of potential never do much more than get by, and especially as they stopped being in their 20s and started to kind of want a little more out of life, were kind of stuck in a life that was a little bit miserable to them, and they now had to, like, play catch-up. So coming from that perspective, like, I think I'm a little less critical of May now, even though I don't think she thought about her life choices to that degree. <laughs> but I think it's fair to say, like, the girl needed to get out. Like, if 10-ish years at home with her parents didn't give her a love of Pokemon and a desire to be a trainer or a coordinator, then hanging around home a couple more years was not going to help her figure it out. May needed to get away and out in the world and meet new people and at least go through the motions of something to get her to places where she could have new experiences. And like all things with May, she is a little bit contradictory within herself in that, like, you don't 
want to get into a situation in life where you are going through the motions. But at the same time, sometimes forcing yourself to go through the motions of things and like doing those things that you don't want to do and the things you're not passionate about kind of can help you to push through and overcome an obstacle or figure out what it is about your situation that you don't like and what you need to change in order to make it better. And for better or for worse, this is the path that has gotten me to that point. She she now realizes that she does love Pokemon, but she doesn't love gym battles because the types of battles they have in contests are the things that really inspire her and that she could love training if it's working towards that goal. And and since she's finally realized that and has a, a pretty thought out idea of the direction she wants to go in life, there is no point in forcing her and Torchic and Wurple through some horrible gym battle that they're all going to hate and is not going to help them to grow in any way. <laughs> and if being a Pokemon coordinator is her dream, then Ash is behind her all the way. Brock too, and even Max, though he's a little pouty because he wants to be a battle-type trainer so bad and he's totally living vicariously through his sister. While they're having this conversation, Team Rocket, um, they're, they're almost living in another reality. Like, they see a picture of Roxanne and realize it's not just the teacher, but the gym leader. And they start concocting a plan to steal Pokemon until James is like, wait, guys, listen to yourselves. We literally just did the exact same thing yesterday. Like, what's going to make it work now? He says they need a new plan. They'll tunnel under the gym. With shovels and manpower, no wasteful spending. I should say, they have tried that one before too, but but not recently. And James is thinking that, like, a conservative budget is going to serve the plan better than spending money on all the bells and whistles, only to get cocky and fail. He, he thinks doing this low-key and low-grade, just, you know, get in and out, will be the change that makes the difference. It'll be easier to make a profit, less easy to get caught, certainly less of a problem if they don't succeed. <laughs> so while they do that, um, we have a very interesting scene at Roxanne's gym. The kids show up, they say hi to Roxanne, and, and she's honored that they're going to start their Hoenn Region challenge with her. And then... Basically, the boys go off to the side and take a break while May and Roxanne sit down and talk about life. And that's kind of part of what makes May so cool to me and realistically her age is that she was so confident a second ago telling her friends like, this is what I want to do. This is my choice. But when faced with actually canceling her match to the gym leader, who was like excited to do it and, and had expectations, May gets insecure again. And she needs the affirmation that she made the right choice. A few episodes ago, we met that Franklin kid and talked about May being um, independent or dependent. And this is kind of what I mean, that she's both. This is behavior I relate to and I see in a lot of people, especially, especially young kids. Like Sometimes it's like, yes, I can do this. This is my path. This is what I want. All cylinders firing. And then there's like a little bump or a trigger and it's like, Oh, I don't know. Am I making the right choice? I need adult guidance. But I like that aspect that May brings. That and, and that Roxanne sees part of her duty as a gym leader as helping kids sort of figure out their lives. 
like like any college advisor sitting down with a student and being like, okay, so maybe you're not a biology major. Let's let's talk a bit about what you really want to be doing, where you really want to go. It, it's okay to change your major. <laughs> and when that's done, when they're done having their chat and, and May feels good about what she's going to do in life, it's Ash's turn. His battle begins and the interns from the school have set everything up. They're going to record the battle for use in class. But other than that, it's a normal gym battle. Elimination match, two Pokemon. Ash can substitute, gym leader cannot. And for Max, it's the first gym battle that he's gotten to see. Norman didn't want to mess with his challenger's uh, concentration by having an audience. Or, you know, his young kids running around. So he just ruled that there's no spectators. Maybe he'll rescind that now that his kids are a bit older and more responsible. But for now, this is Max's first official gym battle. So that's exciting. Uh, Roxanne leads with Geodude and Ash leads with Trico, which would seem like a no-brainer, like, again, type advantage. Remember, though, Trico doesn't know how to use any grass attacks. And I love Brock's tone when he says so. It's like, good grief, Ash, have you learned nothing over the years? It's like pewter gym all over again. And he only gets more grim as the battle goes on. And, and May and Max are like, yeesh, what's this guy doing? Quick attack? Are you serious, Ash? <laughs> I thought you were good at this. And Roxanne thinks the move is naive. But when a mega punch sends Trico rocketing into the sky, Ash claims it's their chance. He calls for Pound, and Trico torpedoes down, very reminiscent of that special training episode at the waterfall. Roxanne has Geodude prepare to block it, but Trico's Pound doesn't come from its fists, but its tail. That takes Geodude by surprise, and rolls it backward with a nice little smack, like Geodude kind of crashes into a nearby rock. Because the speed of Trico coming down from the sky, gravity, magnified the force of the attacks and gave... Trico a chance to compete with Geodude's defense. A very smart move, but Geodude's not out yet and is ready for rollout. Trico's fast enough to dodge, but another mega punch and, and it's coming off the field. That poor little rookie took a lot of damage. So, Ash is down to one. I don't think he's that surprised, but I do think he was kind of hoping that maybe Trico could pull out a little more because Pikachu's the real power of the team today, but only if he can hit. Which means Pikachu's probably going to take a lot of damage wearing the rocks down. Like, you can see that's why Ash put Trico first. He did not want to have to rely on Trico. He wanted to see how much Trico could whittle away of their opponents before he had to rely on Pikachu. <laughs> So he's kind of in a tough spot, and in fact, the gym interns and Roxanne are a little concerned for him. They're like, you really want a challenge with Pikachu? You know he's electric, right? And I'm sure Brock is off in the corner like, lady, I could tell you stories. But really, Ash did his best with Trico, but Pikachu facing a rock gym, Ash is in his element. He's never looked so confident. Like, he is just radiating swagger. Pikachu, too. And the first thing Ash does is have Pikachu use Thunder to level the battlefield. And Roxanne is floored. It's an awesome attack. And Ash is in complete control again. Like, he and Trico together will get to this point, and, and he and Talo, too. 
But right now, there is a marked difference to how Ash fights with the newbies and how he fights with the team veteran. It's night and day. And working well in Ash's favor, until Roxanne realizes she's now got more room for Geodude's attacks. <laughs> now that Ash and Pikachu have cleared all the rocks away, they've got to dodge a rock throw and there's nowhere to hide. So that's a problem. Pikachu is eventually cornered and forced to take a mega punch to the face. But, you see, Ash faced Whitney, and he saw that one of Roxanne's uh, signature moves with Geodude is rollout in the last episode, so he knows he's gotta take that attack down. And that's what Thunder was really all about. The field has changed. Ash turned it from a firm rock ground to a bunch of pebbles and something more pliable, Geodude is too heavy to handle a terrain that's basically gravel and sand and will sink under its weight. It's spinning its wheels. And since it can't control its direction super well, the attack is easy to dodge. Reduced speed, reduced power, and Geodude's a sitting duck for a close-range thunder. And while you'd think that shouldn't do anything, Remember a few episodes ago when we found out that ground types are immune to electricity when they're grounded, and it doesn't work as well when they're levitating? Well, to get out of rollout to dodge Pikachu, Geodude had to jump, so it might not be completely grounded right now, and Pikachu's thunder has been known to take out Geodude's before, Brock can confirm. That thunder attack takes Geodude completely out, it faints. And that's a new experience for Roxanne, and most of the spectators. But the easy part is over for Ash. Roxanne is impressed, but far from finished, and she sends out Nose Pass. And Ash is like, hold on, I gotta look this one up. It's another rock ground-type Pokemon. Looks like a Moai statue from Easter Island, and while I don't know about uh, Kyushu specifically, which is where Hoenn is based on, Japan actually does have some interesting connections to Moai statues that are worth some googling. There's a famous one in Shibuya, and also some around Miyagi Prefecture in the town of uh, Minami Sanriku, with a very interesting story. That's kind of the Tohoku Sendai area, to give you a, a clue as to what some of those stories might be. Um, so it's not surprising that these statues served as inspiration for a Pokemon. But Nose Pass is sort of an electromagnet, and it can use its nose as a compass. So Pikachu, being electricity incarnate, is definitely not going to hide or confuse it. And the way Pikachu's looking, it took a small beating getting that Geodude to go down, so he might be in trouble. But that Iron Tail, it's time to finally make its debut. Pikachu races forward and just hurls every last bit of strength into a gorgeous Iron Tail. Hits Nosepass square on. Major damage. Nice job. And I gotta say, Pikachu's acting throughout this whole episode is spot on. Like, it just sounds so exhausted and determined and, like, just emoting all over the place. I love it. Roxanne now sees why Ash chose Pikachu to battle. That that Iron Tail was a bit of a surprise for her, but she's not about to let someone railroad her gym based off one gimmick. One attack, you can't rely on that to carry you through a battle, and she's determined to put Ash and Pikachu in their place. 
But you know, she really doesn't need to. You wait long enough and Ash and Pikachu will do it to themselves. Because Iron Tail does not have a 100% success rate. Not even close. The next one Pikachu throws out dies halfway through. And this time it's not practice, so the consequences are a little more than just Pikachu looking kind of stupid. Nose passing cases Pikachu in Rock Tomb. The poor mouse is completely trapped and can't move. Ash has Pikachu use Thunder to blow away the rocks, because, yeah, that worked before. And it's amazing that they can do this. Like, the way Pikachu's electric attacks are developing, I want to see the two of them going along the beach one day just making glass. But using Thunder in this way expends a lot of energy, so Pikachu's looking kind of rough when it's free again, just in time to deal with Sandstorm. Neither Ash, nor Pikachu, nor the Peanut Gallery can see anything with the Sandstorm kicking around, but Nosepass doesn't need to see. Remember, its nose is a compass, an electromagnet. It's gonna hone in on Pikachu like it's true north. And it gives us a great shot, with Nosepass finding Pikachu through the sand, and then we cut away to Ash's point of view, which is just a wall of brown and the sound of Pikachu's screaming pain. When the sand does clear, Nosepass has Pikachu pinned and it's ready to stomp on Pikachu's head. Luckily, Pikachu is able to squirm away and dodge, and now it's all up to speed, using Quick Attack to maneuver around the field to avoid Rock Tomb. Ash's Pikachu go in circles around Nosepass to wear it out and maybe confuse it, make it dizzy. And that might not completely work since it doesn't need its eyes and sense of equilibrium to find Pikachu, but the tiring out is worth a shot. Especially since Pikachu does not have the energy for Iron Tail. He needs time to build it up and he's exhausted. And Nosepass isn't giving him enough time between the pummelings. Right now, Pikachu can't set up an Iron Tail quickly. It's working for him kind of like Solar Beam, where he needs time to charge first. Except if he's not actively running for his life, Nosepass and the Compass Nose will find him and beat him 12 ways to Sunday. Like, this is bad enough. And then Nosepass starts jumping and using Thunder Wave, so... Thunder Wave doesn't affect the battle much, but it does unwittingly get rid of Team Rocket. The electricity hits James' uh, shovel and the force sends them blasting off. No one even noticed, um, but at some points Roxanne's going to be doing some renovations on her gym and is be like, Hey, since when did we dig a bat cave under here? But speaking of Roxanne, she's pretty sure she's got this match on lock. Ash has impressed her. But that Pikachu is looking wrecked. There's no way his trainer is going to continue the match. Or so she thinks. Now she's discovered the real reason Ash chose Pikachu for this battle, and it has nothing to do with Iron Tail. It's because Pikachu and Ash are a team, to the point that Pikachu trusts Ash, and Pikachu will keep going, even if he's fighting literally a brick wall. The two of them have challenged three leagues now. They came here for a gym badge, and with Arceus as their witness, they are not leaving until they have one. Ash has Pikachu run straight at Nosepass, and has him take a zap cannon full on and absorb it. And then, continues barreling on to Nosepass and tackles it, while still vibrating with all that electric energy. I'm not sure if this is doing the effect of counter, sending Nosepass's own attack back, or if it's like an early version variation on Volt Tackle, 
or a combination of Pikachu's static ability and its strange, like, skill of absorbing and controlling gargantuan amounts of energy. But when it is done, Nosepass is paralyzed. And now Pikachu has all the time in the world to set up the perfect Iron Tail. The energy builds, Iron Tail forms, it hits, Nosepass falls, and the match is over. There's hugging and bonding for Ash and Pikachu, and well-deserved praise because, wow, that was brutal, but they did it. Roxanne and her interns look like they still can't believe it. Even in the stands, Ash's friends are taking a moment to process this. But Max's line, like, now I know what a gym battle is like, is precious, because, no, kid, if Ash's gym battles are what you set your standards by, you are going to be so underwhelmed for the rest of your life. Like, I can see Max growing up to be a gym leader and just being like, oh, a grass type against my water Pokemon? How original. When is someone going to challenge water types with a Magmar and maybe set the gym on fire and get normal attacks to hit my ghost Pokemon? I want some creativity. But Ash wins the gym badge for Rustboro City, the stone badge. It's the first one in Hoenn, seven to go. I'm really happy. I love gym battles. They just fill me with joy. And this one in particular, like, it was just really fun. Like, just the combination of circumstances, like, Ash being kind of where he was with the unofficial battle with Norman is, like, he just does not have a well-developed team at this stage of the journey. And not only underdeveloped, but unlike Kanto, mismatched. Pikachu is way ahead in experience to Trico and Talo. So, like, you get a real contrast of how Ash battles with them. And, you know, and then the issue with Iron Tail and trying to learn a new attack and facing a type that, like, literally they have nothing to help them really against it. And it's sort of a, uh, because of the type of Roxanne's gym, sort of a pewter gym revisited in that we get to see Pikachu using his electric attacks against ground types and finding ways to make them work and even be able to do damage to life points but because the anime has kind of developed a little bit and settled into itself they can take a little time to explain why that works and why, why it's not crazy basically and, and kind of highlight some of the things that make the anime different from the games because much as we love the games and they're really cool being a video game, they kind of have to rely on a simple binary sort of system. And, and like there is a mathematical algorithm to how effective things are and things like that. But at some point, it, it's a computer. It has to decide yes or no. But real life and in the anime, they can kind of have some some more shades of why things work and how things work and what exceptions can be. I just love the idea that even before learning the specific attack to help them with the type advantage situation, that Ash and Pikachu have been training to be able to win in any situation. Before they knew Iron Tail was a thing, they're like, we may have to face rocks or Team Rocket's robot or something. We've got to train your attacks, your electric attacks to be able to handle that. I, I do love that we're seeing more of Ash's training and more of the results of how he trains and how he thinks about Pokemon battles and building well-rounded teams and training a well-rounded Pokemon and especially training 
Pikachu, the fact that the two of them, like this is their dream. And and through Pikachu, Ash is obtaining Pokemon mastery because the two of them facing a type that should not be affected in the slightest by anything Pikachu does. They not only learned an attack to overcome that, but trained the very attacks that shouldn't work to be effective. Like, the two of them can literally handle anything. Like, Ash wants to train varieties of Pokemon, and it's definitely a facet of his overall dream to be the world's greatest Pokemon master, but he is achieving his dream through Pikachu. Ash's dream of being the world's greatest Pokemon master has become Pikachu's dream too. But I think until going over this episode again, I didn't really realize because in a tournament, say, situation, Pikachu was one of six. But there's something about this battle and Ash and Pikachu's connection to each other, even though like Trico is also a part of this battle. And the fact that, like I said, Ash is kind of achieving full mastery through Pikachu, that I get a sense of Pikachu's half of the equation and how it's a little bit beyond just helping Ash win battles. I don't know, it's hard to put into words, but there's something about this that is kind of profound to me. And I get like very deep and inspirational feelings about Ash and Pikachu and that way they have come together over the the dream of being the world's greatest Pokemon master. And something about those those feelings I can't quite put a button on is reflected in this episode. And so I, I really quite love it. And I think this is the first episode that Ash's friends, uh, at least May and Max, have got to see really what Ash can do. Because Ash shines in competitive battles. And, you know, he did get to fight their dad and kind of impress them a bit. But, you know, here in a proper gym battle against Roxanne... I think they're, I think May and Max really get a sense of who Ash Ketchum is as a competitive battler and, you know, watching him train for this match and now seeing what the results are. I think they have a different sense of his abilities and where his dream and his efforts are leading him. Unfortunately, I cannot gush all day long. We have to come to a close on this episode, but there will be more gym battles in the future and many other matches and and adventures along the way. So if you'd like to comment on this episode, you can visit peakhappypodcast.blogspot.com or send an email to peakhappypodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at peakhappypodcast or you can find us on iTunes or or wherever you get your, your podcasts, RSS feeds delivered to your devices. Thank you for listening, and until next time, this has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all! Yeah.